Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, well, welcome to episode 96 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. Coach, how's it going, man? Hey, Rich. Awesome, man. It's, uh, it, it's really cool. It's the middle of winter here, so it, it's, been, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting time coping with the, uh, the, the Sydney, Sydney weather. It's been, I don't know, like 18 or 19 degrees and sunny every single day. So uh, we're, we're trying to get used to it. it it's okay, though. I, I live in the wrong place. I live in Texas, and I, I am a strong believer that I would rather have cold. You can always add more clothes, but there comes a point where you can't like remove anymore. And like Texas right now is scorching. Like we're in the, you know, high 90s, but the heat index is even higher than that. I know that's Fahrenheit, so it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but super hot. And like my house right now is, um, we're getting all the wiring stripped out and they're rewiring it. So like there's periods where, um, you know, maybe the AC is not running. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a. I, I think I'd rather switch places with you. At this Mate, you're welcome time. anytime. You know that. In fact, I was just getting a, someone. Someone just the other day said to me that you'd been down and chatted to them, and I hadn't realised that that you'd, you'd spoken to one of one of our ISVs down here. And I was I was jealous that I hadn't caught up with you. Yeah, that, that was uh, probably about a year ago, and I think um, uh, another one of your colleagues was kind of covering at that time. So, uh, but hopefully we'll have more opportunities like that coming up in the future. Very cool well, indeed. Well, we're uh, we have a good treat this this uh, week. We're we're joined by Paul Stubbs, who is on the Max team at Microsoft, and I know our listeners are probably Max. What is that? And we'll certainly get into that on the show. But I, I want to uh, welcome Paul. Thanks for being on. Hey, good morning, guys. Paul, so you um, before we kind of go into some of the things and, and weekly updates and things like that, give us a little bit of background. Um, you know where kind of your your background in in development and um, your time at Microsoft. Yeah, so I've been at Microsoft for going on 15 years now, and uh, I've done a number of roles. I started off early in my career working on Visual Studio on the engineering side, working on Office tools inside of Visual Studio, things like VSTO and stuff. Uh, and then I did for a number of years. I moved over to do uh, evangelism, so I was on the evangelism team as a as a architect evangelist and as a office evangelist and SharePoint evangelism for a number of years. Probably where I'm most famous. Uh, and then we moved over to services, so I was working on uh, a team within services, which was the Azure Center of Excellence. So doing a lot of Azure work on the Azure COE and uh, as the chief architect for the Azure Center of Excellence on helping, you know, companies implement real-world uh, Azure implementations, you know, uh, large-scale video sites or sports engagements or IoT. Uh, and now recently, just in the last few months, I've moved over to the Max team. And on the Max team, I, I run a small team of developers and we build samples for the Microsoft Graph. Uh, and so that's kind of kind of come full circle in my career back into the office side of things. That's awesome. Yeah, I know that um, at least the kind of your last two roles, the, when you were in the, the Azure COE, 
you know, I always looked at you having kind of like a, a dream team. I know you had Kirk Evans on your team, who I'm a huge Kirk fan. I, I joke around that I have a man crush on him. And then, but you had a lot of other people that are, I, I've worked a lot with over the years in evangelism, like Donovan. Yeah, Fred I mean, and, Kirk, Kirk is awesome. Donovan is great. Uh, I, yeah, it was really, there was really a team of stars on the entire COE, uh, my team in particular. But yeah, it was a, it was a great team. And you you have a, a similar dream team in Max. Like it's uh, I, I, we're going to talk more later on in the show around kind of what Max is and what you guys do. But um, like of all the areas in Microsoft right now, where it seems like just there's been like this significant amount of quality hires and 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 new faces in an organization it's max there's there's been some amazing um new additions and I, i've had the chance to go to several hackathons around the the u.s and world with some of the max team and always impressed with uh the the team members you guys send so uh, uh it seems like you, you're not moving too far away from having that that awesome team yeah, hopefully, um, you know, this is a, a young team, and so I'm going to try to bring some of that experience to this team and and build them up into into a, into a great team, um, delivering amazing solutions across a whole number of different technologies. Cool. Well, let's knock out some weekly updates. There was a, a decent amount of stuff in the community this week. Probably the biggest Microsoft announcement in the Office 365 space was the the SharePoint mobile app for iOS is available. So you can go get this now in the store, put it on your iOS device, and and check it out. I don't know, do either of you guys carry an iPhone? I do, yeah. Have you uh, checked out the uh, SharePoint mobile app yet? I have. Um, I've been using it for a while. You know, being on the Office team, I get access to a lot of early Insider builds. So I've been uh, using it for quite a while now, and it's uh, actually pretty pretty good. It's pretty cool, you know, the value proposition, at least from like a developer standpoint with the things they're doing with things like the SharePoint framework is that when you build, you know, things like web parts and this new modern framework is that they are, the promise is they're not only going to run in the browser, but they'll run in this this native mobile application, right? This isn't just a a mobile web page. It's a native mobile application and, and you know, the ability to develop one uh, web part or one component in the framework and have it work uh, across the board uh, is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, and that's based on the fact that they're all built using React and uh, they're all as as SPAs under in React. Yep, good stuff. Um, so this week, the uh, the Office Dev Show on Channel Nine, uh, we published uh, episode thirty four today, and it's on. Getting started with bots and the Microsoft Graph, and so this would be an interesting one as we kind of go throughout the show today, uh, chatting with um, with Paul about you know your role with things like the Microsoft Graph and uh, things like SDKs with the Graph, and um, this was just kind of a fun one. I have a guy on my team named Matt Beloso who's uh, kind of an identity whiz and. Uh, he's also doing all this stuff with bots. He built things like the Murphy bot. We had them on the show last week, and so we thought this would be just kind of a fun one to to put on uh, the the uh, dev show for the week. Yeah, I think the bot stuff is really interesting. And from my team, we're actually doing uh, internally at Microsoft. We have a, a big conference every year uh, called One Week, where we have a giant hackathon. And I'm directing my team this year at the hackathon to focus on bots and graph integration with bots. And so that's about um, things like 
um, Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, the Microsoft Framework, Cortana. It's about integrating all various kinds of bots into Graph because my team is all about multiple platforms. So that's going to be something that uh, hopefully we'll be able to come back and highlight on your show in, in a future episode. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, um, I think a lot of the bot discussion we have these days, uh, at least in in my team, tends to be around kind of the, this bot framework. But, you know, if I think about the the opportunity, you know, some of those you mentioned like Siri and Cortana and I forget what the one on Android's called. Maybe you said it, but it's a uh, Google Assistant. Google yeah, now. Google Assistant. They don't they don't they didn't come up with just a fancy name. It's just uh, <laughs> seems kind of the the Google Android thing of doing it. But um, yeah, I mean the, the opportunity there I think is is huge. So I, I'd be really interested to see uh, what you guys guys come up with. Um, another kind of update for the week, the uh, Office Dev PNP webcast. You know, they've been doing a lot of things around the SharePoint framework. So Vesa and Waldeck uh, have been doing a, a number of these over the, the last few weeks. Uh, they just released a new webcast, and it's on converting an existing JavaScript app to the SharePoint framework. So they take things like, um, you know, maybe just like a raw block of JavaScript that maybe have been put in like a content editor web part uh, and how they can maybe... Uh, make that more of like a first-class citizen under the SharePoint framework. And even in introducing things like the, uh, you know, custom editor panes that you can have with those web parts. So definitely check that one out. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of interest in the SharePoint framework. Still, don't, still not something that the, the broad community has access to, but I know that team's working really hard to get there. Um Kind of moving on, another one on the SharePoint framework, Stefan Bauer, he uh, noticed that some of the kind of first SharePoint framework web parts have actually already arrived into Office 365. So this is, you know, one of our typical MVPs doing some investigation and discovering that, you know, things like maybe the the video viewer or image uh, display uh, web parts are already using that uh, new SharePoint framework. So um, again, when when you hear Dan Kogan and uh, that team say that you know they're using the same framework to build the kind of the out of the box system web parts, they're being completely honest. I mean, there's no smoke and mirrors between what they're building and what you're going to be able to do with that framework. And I think that's one of the really key things here, right? Is that uh, people like Stefan and, and and other others can just dig behind the scenes and see how these things are done. It, it's a it, it's a it's, it's a real, I guess a uh, a plus for for SharePoint because uh, not only does it ship with all these cool things, but it, it ships with how you, how we're doing all these cool things. Well, and, and to take that a step further, and it really resonates with what we're going to talk about today with Paul is that even like the even like the samples of how they're building some of those system web parts, they've said they're going to try their best to make that available like open source so that's like on github so they can you can you know if you really like uh, a web part that hopefully you'll be able to take some of the patterns of how it's built and be able to replicate that in your own this is definitely not the microsoft i joined 12 years ago and i love it it's great <laughs> no kidding right um another one this one's from uh down under mate uh it is it is indeed in fact i was just catching up with these guys uh i, I have a regular call with these guys on a on a uh, uh, Tuesday morning, every third week after their sprint planning, and I didn't. Uh, and you, you picked up that Cameron had had had, uh, had done this this post, so I was really excited to see that happen. Cameron Dwyer, who's uh, one of the uh, one of the architects 
at uh, a place called One Place Solutions uh, and has, has been doing some awesome stuff around Angular 2 routing uh, for some office add-in work they're doing. And he's, he's come across a couple of issues that, he's, uh, that he seems to have solved in the routing space. Yeah, it, you know, the, especially for things like mail add-ins, they can be a little bit picky uh, with when you're modifying some of the routes because they're, they also, the add-in architecture adds some additional uh, things to the route, if you will, so that it knows like what version and things like that it's running in. So um, that's cool that, that, he's, that, that Cameron's uh, picked up on some of those challenges and has started to uh, document some of the patterns around working with it. It's also cool. I, I you know, I, I actually just picked up on Cameron's blog over the last few weeks. So it's a good example of there are, if you're in the community and you're blogging and we don't know about it, certainly let us know. Go at mention us on Twitter or send me a note, whatever. Uh, we'll definitely showcase the good work you guys are doing. Absolutely. Um, I, I did a post this week. This was kind of a little fun project of my own. I've been doing a lot of things with Office 365 connectors. Uh, you know, I think the opportunity around connectors is, is pretty uh, significant. Me being able to take third-party data, send it into Office 365, and let people collaborate and take action on it. And all, uh, all the documentation is really about creating a, a connection to these connectors from a web page, a website. And as I was looking more and more and really understanding the architecture of it, it's almost the, the way you do a flow to approve a connector or, or I guess, um, consent to a connector, it's almost identical to an authorization flow in OAuth. You know, it's you basically redirect the user to consent to the connector, and then it sends some data back on the URL, just like an authorization code in, in OAuth. And right. so I was like, you know what? Like, I, I could take the same patterns that we do for OAuth in a mobile app, where it uses like a browser control, and do it for a, a mobile application. And, that, and it worked. It was super easy. So... Uh, the sample is just I have a, a cool little groups mobile app. Maybe it's like an expense mobile app or something like that. Uh, and for your group, and, and if you want to maybe send third-party data in for people to be able to see and collaborate on, you can simply just launch the that flow in a browser control or an in-app browser, whatever it's called. All platforms support it. And then you basically just listen for your callback URL, you just uh, most of these browser controls will have an event that says when a page loads, let me know about it. And so I just look for my callback URL, and whenever that hits, um, I just close the browser control and pull the parameters off. Yeah, I love it, man. It, it's again ten lines of code, and and, and you've got it done. It uh, looks really neat. Definitely worth checking out. I, I love the way you're doing these little short videos too, little snippets of uh, of how to do stuff. Uh, it, it makes it really simple to see exactly what you're talking about. That's because I'm like more illiterate when it comes to to typing. I'd rather just get in front of a mic. But uh, what did you? What have you found this week, Coatsy? Uh So the, the there's a couple of ones that I wanted to call out. The first one is um, uh, Bill Barnes. We, we talked about curve 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 uh, dot graph last week uh, on the show, and uh, uh, and uh, Bill Barnes has done a uh, an awesome post int- introducing curve dot graph, which is uh, I didn't didn't know that curve was was Dutch for uh, uh, for graph. Uh, which, which is uh, which is so curve.js, uh, which is uh, showing it's basically it's it's a wrapper around all the Active Directory stuff. Uh, we, we talked briefly about it last week, but he's got a, a really nice blog post up about uh, about that. So definitely check check that out. Um, shows how he's done a bunch of the uh, strongly type stuff, particularly in TypeScript. Very very cool. Yeah, and this um, one just to, I'm going to jump in there for just a moment because this is an interesting one. It's um, 
This is one of those ones that, like, I, at first I was like, you know, uh, so what, what this specifically is, it's Curve.graph. So Curve.js had two pieces to it. It had this component that made authentication really easy, and then it had this component that was like, let's make the Microsoft Graph strongly typed from JavaScript. Um, I'm, like, one of those purists that was like, why do I need – why do I need an SDK in JavaScript to help me deal with JSON data? Like, J, I mean, JSON data is already in JavaScript. In a, it's not really strongly typed, but it's 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 super easy to work with. But they did some, and this was kind of a grassroots thing. Is they they built this kind of uh, it's built all on promises and and a really simple way of of navigating around the graph. And I believe, and the reason I wanted to pause is because I know that. That Paul's team is working a lot on on things like like different SDKs around the graph. I'm curious if if you've talked at all with this group that's that's kind of worked on this little curve thing because it's not a this is by no means a Microsoft supported library. It's kind of just a community effort. But uh, I know there are some Microsoft people working on it. So do you what are you, what are your have you seen this Paul and what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, it's interesting. We, uh, I believe there are some people on the engineering team that have talked to them. I haven't talked to them personally. Um, but it does go, it's just another approach to the way that uh, uh, libraries are written against the graph. Yeah, and they, they, they did do everything like TypeScript first, and, you know, that certainly opens it up to having a really nice experience uh, as you do things with JavaScript. Um, and I, I will say that, there are some things in the graph where I'll beat my head against the wall for like hours trying to figure out what the right um, content. Like for instance, like I, I remember I was trying to upload uh, an Excel document client side uh, to to OneDrive for Business, and like trying to figure out like, well, do I do I send in JavaScript dealing with binaries isn't the funnest in the world. So do I send a byte array? Do I send a uh, an actual binary stream? Do I uh, base64 encode it? Like I, like I didn't know, and it took me like almost a full day to figure it out, whereas that's a really good uh, example of where an SDK is going to make that so much easier for me. Even being the purist that I am, I would have not wasted near as much time. There's other words for it other than purist, you know, right? I'm just saying. Stubborn? Is, is that it? Is that where you're going? <laughs> I'll leave it up to the listener to fill in the blank. How's that? The um, the next one I, I really like is actually a little bit old now, uh, from uh, from Ignite 2015 in Australia. So that, that was uh, at the end at the end of last year. Uh, ben Parker down here is uh, one of our uh, one of our key partners with a, a partner a partner called Redify. Oh, sorry, called Codify. Redify is another one of our partners. A partner called Codify, and they do some awesome work up in Brisbane. Um, uh, apart from anything else, they do all of our networking for, uh, for for Ignite and for all our big events. They do an awesome job with that. But they also do some work with Microsoft Consulting, and they had a big gig with um, with Microsoft Consulting, rolling out the um, Office three six five deployment for uh, the Queensland Department of Education, which has got some staggering numbers in it. So they rolled it out for all the students and all the teachers uh, in Queensland, which is a million objects in the in the tenant. Which is starting to get to real numbers, and are talking about how do you, not not only how do you uh, uh, write, how do you maintain that sort of uh, level of of of, um, uh, of service, which is which is our job at Microsoft, but how do you go about provisioning and and letting other people provision uh, uh, the the 
objects in a way that makes sense because every year you've got to move kids from class to class. Every, you know, you've, you've got to make sure that all of the uh, all of the um, levels of, of access are available so teachers can see teachers anywhere in the state, but they can only see students who are uh, at their school and so on. There's a whole bunch of those duty of care things that, that need to be enforced. Um, Principals need to be able to move people around within their school and the whole bunch. So they've written a really nice uh, self-service portal as well as um, done some work around, uh, around tuning how, um, how objects get provisioned at the beginning of the year. And they talk that Ben did a really awesome session, so it's, uh, it's up on Channel 9. It, but I think uh, it would be great to have him on the show to talk about some of the things that, uh, that he came across just dealing with, a, with a, a tenancy of that size. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah, I'm curious like, if they have metrics on how many like – MP3 collections go up on the first day of school from all the students. <laughs> I don't know. But he yeah, usually do. Cool. We, sh- we should have him on the show. Now, he didn't. He didn't talk about that in his session. But but I, rec- I reckon if we yeah, if we gave him the right incentive, he he would be able to talk about that. Nice. And so the last one I want to call out is uh, is another one of my colleagues actually, Jordan Knight, who's just joined the team. Been a been a strong member of the community for for a very long time, but just joined Microsoft in the last uh, month or so has been doing some awesome stuff with the, uh, the Microsoft Graph and cool things. Um, and the cool thing he did, uh, he did as a demo for me at, at Ignite last year, uh, and he's, and he's GitHub, put it up on GitHub and, and, uh, and obviously open-sourced all the, all the bits, um, is a, a thing called Daybar. And you may have called this out at, at one stage earlier in the, uh, in the podcast. I, I went back and couldn't find it, but I, but I have a vague recollection he may have talked about it, where basically he, he's using a, an Arduino and a, and a Raspberry Pi to give a, um, a visual view of your day, the day of your calendar. So he goes in with the graph and, uh, and pulls your calendar out you log in uh, with, a, with a, a UWP app that's running on Raspberry Pi. It goes into your calendar, um, pulls out your, your, the day of calendar, uh, looks at the colors that you've assigned to each, of the, um, to, to each of the events in your calendar and lights up uh, a, an LED strip about 72 LEDs long. So whatever 172th of your day is, 172nd of your day is, each one of those LEDs is worth that. And, and you can see at a glance what your calendar looks like and it just you mount it up on the wall somewhere. And you've got this calendar that's like a yard long um, with 72 LEDs on it. And, and you've got a flashing white light that shows where, where you are in the day. So it's just a strip, uh, an LED strip that goes on the wall. And all of the, all of the, uh, the code for that's up there, all of the, the shopping list you need to go and build one. Uh, and it's a really nice uh, integration of the, the, the things and the internet to, to, uh, to put together. And uh, just, just as a by the by, uh, I know that he's, uh, he's not finished publishing this, but he's working on a very cool little adaptation of this that runs... Uh, as a, 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 a little strip just above your taskbar, so you can see where you're at on your uh, on your on your screen. So definitely worth checking that out. Very good. That's uh, that, that's it for me from from new things. Perhaps we could uh, duck back across to, to to have a chat to Paul about uh, what he's up to, and particularly around this the the, the graph and the graph SDK, because uh, I'm I'm particularly excited about this. Because the the, uh, the the Microsoft Graph is the I think one of the most uh, the most awesome awesome things we've done for a while. But I've always been a uh, a, a, a .NET and, um, uh, and and XAML guy, and so uh, having to roll my own uh, graph uh, calls has been um, yeah, it's certainly certainly doable. It's just something that I don't think I should have to do. It's it's, it's work that uh, that everyone needs, and therefore someone someone central should do. And that someone central happens to be you guys, Paul. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I think, uh, you know, we have the Graph API. Well, we have Graph, right, which is Microsoft Graph. I think that often gets confused with Office Graph or other Graph or the AD Graph, right? right. So 
you know, to just set, set it clear, the Microsoft Graph is really this kind of uh, one API, this one kind of endpoint for all all of the cloud resources at Microsoft. Right? That's the ultimate goal. And right. today you can you can access things like AD, so all of your users and profiles. You can access things like that are on Office 365, so like your email, your messages, your calendar appointments, and so on and so forth. And so every day the graph is expanding to include more and more uh, entities and resources that are in Office 365 and around Microsoft. So that's really quite a nice little segue into uh, into the cool stuff that you can do with the graph. And uh, Paul, you guys are doing some awesome stuff around uh, making the, uh, the 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 graph API more accessible through the SDK. Yeah. So to maybe take a step back to talk about kind of where I sit in the world here, you know, we're on a team which is Max, which is the modern assistance and support experience team, and this larger team focuses on. Uh, help and support for Office, so writing all the developer docs, writing all the user docs, uh, and then my smaller part of the team writes the developer docs and content, so that includes things like all the add-in documents for Office, and um, and then we also now create the samples, so add-in samples for Office, and in my particular smaller part of the team, I focus on graph, so the Microsoft graph creating samples, and I partner with another team that sits next to me, which does the engineering side for the SDKs on graph, um, and that's in partnership with the actual office team that builds graph. So this kind of whole, whole area of uh, people building on the graph, and one of the outcomes of that is that um, we support... Well, the goal is to support nine different platforms currently for SDK. So when you think about the um, REST endpoints for the graph, being able to use not only you know, .NET SDKs, but an Android SDK or an iOS SDK or PHP or Ruby or Python, right, to be able to to allow a lot more communities and, and uh, platforms to take advantage of the graph. I think this is an awesome thing that we're doing here. Um, apart, from the, apart from the fact that we're, we're wrapping the graph with an SDK, which I think is inherently a useful thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a front-end developer with .NET and, and, uh, and XAML. Someone else is a front-end developer with Android or, or iOS. They shouldn't have to necessarily think about all the intricacies of, of how to go and do a REST call. I mean, that's something that, that someone else can wrap up for you. What they need to be able to do is say, here's, here's a higher-level thing that I want to be able to achieve. How does that what, – what's, what's, the, what's the higher-level construct for that? And you guys wrapping that up makes that, uh, makes that much simpler. And, of course, it also means you're probably doing a bunch of things that lots of people wouldn't bother doing behind the scenes around error catching and, and checking and, and those sorts of things that really should only have to be done once. So that's pretty neat. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly right, and uh, doing that across um, so many platforms and to make those SDKs feel like they belong on that platform is quite an engineering challenge. So is there any level of, like, butting of heads since you guys sit, like, the, the team that's building the SDK and the team that's building samples that leverage those, is there ever, like, any contention of, like, hey, man, get your SDK working, we're trying to do this? Is there any sort of, like... Um, tension around that those two teams sitting so close together. I, I don't. I wouldn't call it tension. I think that um, one of the things that we do as building the samples are that we're really the first customer on the the SDKs, and so we're able to 
uh, immediately give feedback, the things that work and don't work, and uh, areas for improvement, and, and be that first kind of uh, customer for those to help them. So I don't think there's tension. I think there's a lot of uh, collaboration, I think would be probably a better word. And what is, you, you had mentioned there's kind of nine platforms. Do you mind, like, what, what are the, the nine that you guys focus on? Yeah, so um, the first one's out the door, right, iOS, Android, and Windows. So those are things for, like, um, the iOS one is in Objective-C, um, but we have samples that you can see where we create both Swift uh, examples using that same SDK and and Objective-C samples, so we do both of those. And we also have uh, Windows, so that's .NET, UWP, so we have a bunch of UWP samples. Also, that SDK works in Xamarin, so we have a number of Xamarin samples using that, that one as well, so that gives you a, a good uh, platform there. And those are the three that are kind of out right now, and we have others coming on soon, like Ruby, PHP, and Python. Uh, and then further down the list, things like Angular, ASP.NET, and then just uh, Node.js are the ones that we're doing. And you can see those and follow those SDKs if you go to the to the, uh, to the actual Graph website, which is graph.microsoft.io. And there's a SDK tab at the top. You can click on that and get links to the SDKs, um, get uh, links to the samples that we do right from that one side and see the nine platforms that I'm talking about. Very cool. So you guys, you guys must have a very diverse team, people with skills in, in all sorts of areas. Has that been an interesting, interesting team to assemble? Well, I mean, that's the challenge, right? The challenge is, uh, I'm at Microsoft, it's easy to find a lot of .NET developers, but how do you find Ruby or PHP or Python uh, or even iOS and Android? Now, I have uh, some great developers that we've hired from, from all around the country uh, that have sort of a an industry backing from those uh, native platforms or around iOS and Android, so that's been a lot of help. Um, but we're always looking for new talent, and that's sort of the challenge is how do we, how do we find and bring in those, those people into the thing. And we're also um, trying to scale through the community, right? We're trying to encourage all of these samples we put out are all on GitHub. They're all open source. We encourage people to to come and submit and extend and add and help us with these samples, tell us what's good and bad. Like, this is really the larger effort of my team, which is how to, how to get more engagement from, from others out there in the community to help us. And how's that been working? Yeah. Um, it's good. We got a, it's, a, it's a small but growing community. Uh, we're getting lots of really good feedback around the samples. Uh, we, part, of the, part of the effort of the SDK engineering team is also around evangelism, so they go out to conferences, they go out to basically non-Microsoft conferences and talk about the SDKs, talk about the samples, talk about the graph, and uh, get feedback from, from, you know, right directly from that community. So this team, the, the Max team, it's been around for really a, a long, long time. I mean, I, I, longer than I've been at Microsoft um, and, and was... I think known under different names. I know content publishing was kind of one component of it. But um, in, a, in a lot of ways, it went through, uh, just like Microsoft has kind of been reinvented in a lot of ways, that team has been reinvented and kind of taken on a new name. And it's gotten a lot of um, a lot of positive press, not only from the feedback in the community and the types of samples. I mean, the quality of samples are really amazing. I mean, things like... Um, I know that I'm trying to think of some of the, like the art curator is one that I always 
I like to point people to like for, for mobile development. But um, I mean, you guys were even featured on like a, a why Microsoft video. Like it was kind of like a, like a, almost like a recruiting video for Microsoft because of like the, the diversity and the strength of the teams you guys have. Um, and I always think that's really cool. I mean, you, um, I'm trying to think Brian Melton's one of the guys that I've worked with on Android that's in Max and, and um, I always think about when you talk about going around the country and finding, you know, the guys that are kind of known or, or really sharp in those areas. It's got to be weird, like hiring, you know, a guy that's like super sharp on Android or super sharp doing iOS development. And he goes back to his like buddy, like list of friends and say, hey, I'm going to work for Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, our team has changed a lot over the years. Like I said, I've just recently joined. But a couple of the fundamental things I think that are interesting to note is, you know, traditionally content publishing has been around the idea that, you know, someone in engineering would write a spec and then you would have a writer that would read the spec and they would they would try to derive from that spec things that may be interesting for someone to know and then they would write, you know, articles or API reference or, or overview documents about that, right? That's kind of the way documentation gets written historically. What we're doing on my team is different. We've, we're taking an approach where we write code first. So in other words, we try to write a sample uh, by walking in the shoes of a, an actual user and write that sample. And then based on that sample, we then can understand, well, what are things that are hard? What are things that are difficult? What kind of articles and content would be useful for my experience of actually using the product by making a sample. So that's kind of the code-first approach that we're using to the documentation on the developer side. That's very cool. And, and you guys are, 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 well, I'm not sure if it's you guys, but certainly a lot of, a lot of teams at Microsoft are starting that, uh, that documentation journey on GitHub, so out, out, in the, out in the open. Is that something you guys are up to? Yeah, that's right. So the other half of that, which is kind of the pure documentation side, we're we have all these internal systems at Microsoft, just as I imagine most companies do. What we've done is we're moving to an open publishing model. So all of our docs are now written in the open on GitHub using Markdown. And so things things that you uh, want to see, so if you don't like something that docs, you're in- able to just go there to the GitHub, create a pull request, and you know submit your changes to the documentation set, and they'll get built into the system, and you'll see those show up into the into the office help system, right? So that's going out there today. And what that enables is it enables that everybody in the community and that community being both external and internal to Microsoft can participate in the docs, right? Because there's lots of experts that may not be strictly on the product team that may have something valuable to contribute to the docs. And so this enables them and empowers them to do that. And, and what's that process like, having this sort of living documentation? I mean, documentation used to be something that was pretty much fixed. This is how it works. Yeah, well, now the docs change uh, frequently, right? As often as pull requests come in, new docs can be up to the site instantly. And so this gives the ability that the, you know, you kind of have this evergreen document set where the docs are always up to date. You never have to say, well, we have to wait a few months for the next, you know, publishing of the the cycle to happen, right? Uh, Now it happens continuously, even daily, right, of of when those changes occur. So is um, the fact that, you guys are kind of doing this open approach. Are y'all seeing? I know there's some communities that are really big into uh, improving, like the community, improving the docs. Are y'all seeing a lot of pull requests from the community? 
Um, we're seeing some, uh, not as much as uh, we hope, right? We, all, we hope to always have more, but I think it's just the, the beginning of the process. We're just starting to put those those doc sets out there for various teams, right? And as, so as we go through and, and knock out each one of the sets of documentations for all of the products, that'll continue to grow. And as people understand, we get the word out of this is how you do it and this is the process. I think we'll see that continue to grow. Yeah, I think to some extent, um, it, you know, if you look at like the t typical Microsoft developer, they're probably not used to that because they've lived in like our, our traditional, very um, structured and, and, you know, it took time to get documentation out. And, you know, as we see more and more uh, like open source developers getting attracted to our platform, I think that's where it's going to grow that community and, and hopefully rub off on um, some of the the Microsoft developers. I know that if I look at like the our community, uh, I, I'm amazed at you know people like Andrew Connell and and Waldeck who you know are contributing tons of stuff and even building their own like platforms on t or, or frameworks on top of it, like with the um, the Office UI Fabric, what they've done with Angular. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll see more of that. And also you have to remember that a large chunk, probably a majority of our content set is end-user documentation, right? Which is, you know, how does, how does your grandmother create a Word document and change the font or, you know, send an email, right? And probably that set of users that may be consuming that may, may be uh, less likely to go to GitHub and create a pull request, right? Sure. So I, I guess the other, the other place that I find um, I'm having to re-educate my developer community is in the enterprise where they're used to having stuff that kind of just lives in one spot and, and but not the developers so much but the but the developers managers they say well where's this documented and I, I say it's on github or on a blog they're often not satisfied they want to know what's the official what's the official microsoft response and i have to explain to them that's how microsoft does stuff now if you want to be up to date that's where the that's where the info is yeah that's right so as you guys um, develop samples are, and, and you look at all these platforms you support, do you guys come up with like, here's an idea that we think would be kind of a cool thing for the community and then try to go build it on all the platforms? Or does it kind of differ depending upon um, what platform you're looking at? Um, it depends. depends on what the sample is. Like one of the, one of the strategies we're doing right now, which is, we have what we call connect samples and snippet samples. And the connect samples are really around how do I connect to the API and authenticate and do one thing, send an email, right? That's the connect. So that's the simplest kind of most basic hello world task you want to do, and we're writing that across all the platforms. We also have the snippet sample, which shows you how to connect and then do, you know, a set of 25 tasks, send an email, create a meeting, you know, do things like that. And we're doing that across all the platforms. So that's kind of the basic kind of foundation, like how do I get started stuff. But then individual kind of sample ideas will come out on individual platforms based upon who had the original idea. So, for example, if our iOS guy decides, hey, I want to go build a, a watch sample, right? That may only show up on iWatch, where we show iWatch connected to Graph, for example. Um, and we may not, the Android guy may not rewrite that to, to work on his Galaxy Watch, right? I mean, that may be one scenario. Or we say, yeah, that's interesting for that one platform or that community likes that, you know, just write on that one. 
or we say, hey, this may be good across multiple platforms. Let's get that into the into the backlog and put it on there so we'll port it over to you know, various ones. And then we've also looked at how Xamarin can help us, right, where we can write a single Xamarin application and show that running on multiple platforms as well. So it could be a combination of those. So there's no one strict rule about how it'll appear. It depends on kind of the effort and enthusiasm and the sample and interest in the community. So does that mean you guys are using some sort of uh, agile methodology, a sprint planning meeting and a, and a, 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 a set of uh, weekly or biweekly uh, uh, sprints? How's, how's that working? Yep. So um, um, we're using Visual Studio Team Systems, so VSTS. We do monthly sprints. Uh, we have a backlog for all of our, our work in progress. We track all the stories. We do things like um, work item estimation and capacity planning, so we know how, how loaded each developer is per month. We do you know, our burndown charts. We do uh, biweekly stand-ups. We do you know, the whole nine yards. We do you know, sprint planning. We do post-mortems. We do you know, monthly sprint kind of uh, uh, demo meetings to our stakeholders, so all of that. Scrum goodness uh, we do through VSTS and uh, it's it's awesome. That's great. And and so, is there a way that uh, people can suggest stuff to go into your backlog? Uh, there is. Uh, we can. Uh, we have a channel on User Voice. So if you go to office spdev.uservoice.com um, and submit samples there, uh, we'll see those and add them to our backlog. Um, and also, if you just want to send me email directly. Stubs at Microsoft.com. If you have some sample ideas, we'll add them to our backlog, and we're constantly bi-weekly scrubbing through that backlog with my team, with the engineering team, um, the office team, and, and trying to prioritize uh, what those items could be and what the next thing we build is. Very cool. Uh, I, I, I love this idea of this sort of uh, the community helping to grow that that sample set, this this official sample set, and and I could imagine even you discovering stuff that that people have popped up as starters on GitHub and saying, yeah, we really like that. We might extend that a bit further. And we're doing a lot of that too. Sorry, we're harvesting demos that DX does. We're trying to to take those and and uh, you know sprinkle some graph goodness, graphness. Graph, that's a word, graph. I love it. Uh, it is, it is now. now. <laughs> Sprinkle some graph goodness into those samples, right? Because uh, ultimately my team's not, we're not trying to build samples. We're trying to show how, sam- how the graph can be added to applications because ultimately the graph is about every application connected to your backend enterprise data, right? So no matter what type of data, what type of app that is, we want to show people how to, integrate graph, right? Whether it's bots, whether it's mobile, whether it's desktop, whether it's websites, right? That's the idea. So have you guys put any thought into, you know, I know that um, things like Yeoman have have really caught on, whether it be building Office add-ins or now with the SharePoint framework, it's going to leverage that as well as to kind of get the scaffolding in place. So as you guys build, you know, it, I, I see what you guys do as as incredibly invaluable to the community because I mean, when I go and, and talk with developers, once they once they get past the challenge of figuring out how to authenticate and figuring out just some of the basics of you know, putting a token in a header or initiating some sort of like graph client so that they can start making calls. Like it's simple after that. 
So have y'all thought of, of, of like some of these like samples of, of maybe wrapping it as some sort of like starter project so that it can be like an accelerator for someone actually building a solution? Mm, we haven't really thought about that. I mean, that's to some extent what we're trying to achieve with the with our Connect projects, right? So you'd be able to just take that Connect project. And in most cases with the SDK, it's as simple as adding a reference to the SDK and then, you know, building the pro- building your, your normal project. So but that's something we should look at more. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that first. Very cool. Uh, I, and I guess the other thing is that you guys have got to stay across not just the graph, but all all of the the work that uh, the authentication teams are doing as well. So the, the Microsoft Authentication Library is coming out, building that into your into your process is another interesting uh, interesting cog that you've got to keep uh, keep on top of. Yeah, we work pretty closely with those guys. Like for example, our samples that we just put out um, in last sprint were around uh, UWP samples on Xamarin and um, just playing UWP samples, and they use the MSAL, the Microsoft Active Directory Library, which is the 2.0 endpoint. So we're showing you how to use that already, which allows you to use both, you know, MSA accounts and your kind of corporate credentials with with the graph. Very, very cool. Are you guys seeing, is there any, like, specific, like, platform or area? Um, I'd, I'd be curious, maybe, like, platform and then also maybe like the type of API that are getting the most activity. And I'm not sure how you measure this, if it's by like forks in the repo or stars, but um, like are there certain areas where you're seeing a lot of interest uh, from stuff your team is building? Yeah, we see it mostly across right now, again, iOS, Android, and the UWP, the the Microsoft stack, Um, because those are the three platforms we're leading with, and those are the three that have the, most advanced SDK work done on them. So that's what we're seeing the most in, but we're seeing, you know, pretty good interest across all the various platforms. And do you guys do any of the documentation of the the SDK creation engine? That's, I think, a very, very cool bit of work. Yeah, so we work, so to to a little backstory there, so the way that we create the SDKs is they're actually generated to some extent from the endpoints and the, the tool is an open source tool called Viper, and we work closely with the Viper team to add new features, um, to um, um, you know fix bugs, to do things that we need to do. You know, one big area that we're working on right now is is the idea of annotations. Annotations are kind of this low level um, O data mechanism to add metadata to your APIs, and what they do is they allow us to generate only APIs that are valid. And so in some cases, in certain scenarios, an API doesn't make sense, right? And so uh, we'll prevent the SDK from generating APIs that, that aren't, you know, they don't really make sense in an SDK scenario. And so the annotations and tool that come right from the raw metadata will help us do that sort of work. And so that gives us a better SDK experience. And, and so these are kind of the things that we work with the Viper team to add support for in the generation of the, of the SDKs. One of the coolest things, I think, is that that Viper engine is all up on GitHub as well, is all open source. So if you go to github.com slash Microsoft Graph, then that's there as well as all the SDK stuff and uh, all, all the other bits and pieces. Definitely worth checking that out. Yeah, and you can actually use, uh, you can actually go to Viper. So what we do today is there's 
two basic endpoints for the graph. There's a V1, which is sort of the production endpoint, and then there's a beta endpoint, and the beta endpoint has lots of cool stuff in there as well that's just not ready for a V1 yet. And But we generate the SDKs off of the V1 endpoint. So one of the things you could do, you could say, well, I want to you know, maybe use an SDK against the beta endpoint. You could go use Viper and follow the directions on the Viper site to generate your own API off of the beta endpoint, right? So that's another option. Now, there are lots of issues and things don't work, and, and you'll have to work through some bugs, but it just shows you in this open source world, you're free to go and use the same tools that we're using to, to do these as well. Very cool. Awesome. So um, I guess my my last question for you, Paul, would be is what sort of things can the community look forward to over the next few months from your team? Yeah, so we're doing a lot of exciting stuff. And so as we get through the kind of basic, you know, snippets and uh, connect samples I spoke about earlier, we're looking at things like, you know, um, watch samples, we're looking at kind of higher, more more uh, intricate kind of meeting manager kind of scenarios. We're looking at integrating things like cognitive services and Azure and, um, you know, bot framework into the graph samples. And so you'll see us kind of spreading out and showing you how to add graph to a lot more uh, different scenarios and technologies around Microsoft. Awesome. Well, I know um, one of the things I think we're going to try to do is uh, get you uh, or at least someone from your team, if not you, depending on your schedule, uh, on the show in more of a frequent cadence because, um, you know, guys are doing fantastic work. And it's the stuff that I think is, is probably the most critical for our community to be in touch with um, in in learning how to get going and getting started with, with our APIs. So uh, looking forward to that. And, Paul, super thanks for – finding some time in your busy schedule to talk with us. Uh, Coates, anything else? That's it for me. Thanks. Uh, I, I, uh, I except to say to Paul that, that I've, I've used the, the stuff out of your team quite a bit recently, and I, I love the fact that it's, that it's so accessible and, and, uh, and so well-written. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining, and uh, everyone have a great week. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.